This message is going to be a little bit different. As many of you know, I just got back from Guatemala about four weeks ago. I spent two weeks there. And my intention for tonight is to give four examples of God's faithfulness um, on this trip and to tie that into a message. Um, so I'm not sure how this is going to work, but I'm, I'm believing that God's going to do it and he's going to be glorified. And uh, I'm believing that, that you will be fed. Um, so let's, let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for anointing. I ask that my words, that they speak your word. Father, you would plant seeds and that the devil would not have an opportunity to take them away. Anything I say that's not of you, Lord, I strike it from the memories. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, as many of, you, many of you know, I went down to um, Guatemala in December and in March. And um, those two trips for me were very difficult um, because I've been working in Guatemala for several years now, since 2008, and uh, gotten quite attached to some of the people down there. And these two trips, um, I saw a lot of inroads from, from the enemy into a lot of these people's lives. And uh, it was, uh, for me, it was, it was disheartening. Um, the, I knew that God was faithful, and I knew that he could take care of all these things, but uh, it was really difficult for me. Um, at at uh, one point, uh, closer to the time I left for Guatemala in July, I even had thought that maybe if, it's, if I'm going to experience this much pain, I'm probably not going to keep going. Uh, but God had different plans for me for these two weeks. And um, it was a really a real blessing. I spent two weeks um, seeing God change lives and change the situations around. And I saw him for two weeks. He showed me that he was in control and that all these different things that I'd been praying about and concerned about, that he, he loved these people more than I did, and uh, he really turned these things around. And um, uh, for two weeks, I was just blessed all the time. There was just one, th one day after another, he just showed himself faithful. And um, so I have four examples of his faithfulness, and I'm going to try to go through them quickly, and I'm going to try to go through the message quickly so you're not here too long. Um, but in the, the examples I have, I'm hoping that they, they will be a springboard to, uh, to what I want to bring forth in the message. Um, <clears throat> my first example is, um, many of you know in December, I, uh, we were working down in Limonada, and there was a girl down there, she had gotten saved um, maybe three or four years ago. And uh, when we met her uh, and she got saved, uh, she was... She was very much saved. She was very humble and nice, quiet, uh, meek, meek child, and just loved the Lord. Uh, she was a, a blessing to work with, and we would work with her as we went back each time. And in December, uh, we found her to be uh, emotionally numb and uh, her eyes downcast. And just I knew uh, from asking her questions that <clears throat> she was experiencing something that was not good. Um, she was being abused, and uh, that really affected me very hard because I had been abused as a child, and uh, I knew kind of what she was going through. And um, these, when, when God uses us to, any of us, to, uh, as a tool to get somebody to the point of salvation, they get saved. Um, for me, they become very, uh, it becomes very personal. Uh, I'm almost more concerned about them making it into the kingdom of God all the way than I am for my own self. And um, so I really took, took her situation very hard. And we spent, we spent um, 
the next couple months, we came back to the United States, and we spent the next couple months trying to um, work with the people down there to find out exactly what the abuse was, uh, how bad it was, um, how we could get her out of the situation, and how we could get help to her. And um, the more we worked from here, uh, it seemed like the worst things got there. Uh, we kept hearing a lot of bad reports. Uh, at one, towards the, the end of those two months, we were hearing that her mom was considering taking her to um, a mental hospital there in Guatemala, and I, I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, just the, because of the, the personality shift when you, when you go through abuse like that, there's, um, anyway, that, we heard that, and that, that was really disturbing. And we also heard that she was um, starting to fight back uh, to her stepdad, which was the problem. And um, I knew that that was time sensitive from my own experience that if, uh, if she didn't get help soon, that maybe she would crawl into a, an emotional box and stay there. And so I talked to Brother Tom, and we discussed the situation, and he agreed that uh, it was time sensitive and it was probably time to go down and try to do something about it. And so <clears throat> I made plans um, to leave in about a week. And his advice was to me when, when I left was to make sure that she knows that, that uh, you love her, that God loves her, and that God sent you there just to help her, that she's uh, important to God. And so uh, as I was preparing to leave, God uh, put it on my heart to, and if I was going to help her, that I was going to have to forgive her stepdad. And I really didn't want to. I was really angry at him. Um, but God doesn't need us. We need God. And if we refuse to do things on his terms. He'll just get somebody else, and I didn't want that either. So um, he led me to 1 Corinthians 13. Many of you know that's the chapter where God breaks love down into um, physical things we can do. Sorry, physical things we can do. Um, he, there's a whole list in there. Uh, love is gentle. Love is kind. Uh, love vaunteth not itself. Um, love thinketh no evil. And there's just a whole list that... that uh, even with that emotion, we can choose to love somebody. Uh, and in that, emotion eventually comes. So I knew I was supposed to love my enemy, which he had become one of mine, and I was supposed to forgive him. And so I opened the book up to that, that area, opened the Bible up to that area, and I, began, I went through the list, and I found one thing I thought I could do. <clears throat> I thought, today I cannot think evil towards this person. And so for 24 hours, that's what I did. I worked on that one little step. And then when I got done with that, I went down the list and I found something else I thought I could add to that one. And over time, um, in the course of this week as I was preparing to leave, uh, it became easier and easier. And eventually I was able to uh, love him and forgive him. And God was teaching me something that I would have to use uh, in Guatemala uh, when I went down there. So, um, so I went to, we went, left in March, went down to Guatemala. And... The first thing I had to do was work with her mom. Um, her mom did really not want us to work uh, with her. Um, she didn't want anything to do with God is, was the problem. And she told me, um, she asked me how I was going to help her daughter, but she didn't want anything to do with God. And I told her that I'd been through the same thing her daughter had been through. And I'd been through the psychiatrist, and they don't help. All they do is put a Band-Aid on the situation. And uh, inside, it just festers and gets worse. And it's, you can function that way, but it's not healing. And I told her, but if God heals her, she'll be healed completely and it'll be gone. And she decided to let 
let us try that. Us being a, I had hired a, a woman translator because of the situation. And um, so we began to work with Valerie um, that trip. And we worked in a, in a variety of areas <clears throat> as the Lord led us. And uh, all this is the Lord. I, I can't heal anybody, and you know that, and neither can any of us. And this particular situation is, is especially difficult. Um, but as the Lord led, we, we talked to her on a variety of subjects um, about anger, um, about uh, means we couldn't get her out of the, the situation. We talked to her about ways to avoid um, her stepdad and ways she could arrange her life to get away from him and um, just a variety of, of subjects. Uh, the main one we talked about was the fact that if she were going to be healed, um, and she did want healing, she did uh, want, she, she really loves the Lord and she wanted a good relationship with God, and she knew this was uh, hindering that. And I told her she would have to learn to love and forgive him. I said, you don't have to be emotional about it, but you'll have to do what the Lord says. You'll have to learn to love him and forgive him. And I explained to her that I had gone through this process before I came, and I went through it with her, and... Um, to make a long story short, um, we, we did the best we could in March, and uh, then I left and came back here, and we spent uh, the next several months until July, I spent praying and getting people to pray for her and just lifting her up for the Lord and fighting for her uh, spiritually, and we're going to talk about uh, fighting for ourselves and others spiritually here, uh, hopefully at the end of this, but um, anyway, when I went... When I went back in July, um, when we got to where uh, we could talk to her again, I found <clears throat> that God had already done a work in her. And she professed that the, the abuse had stopped. Uh, there was just a little bit of psychological abuse every now and then, and she said it didn't bother her a bit because she knew who she was in the Lord. And uh, so the, the abuse had stopped, and she got to completely turn her personality around, completely turned her situation around. Um, her eyes are no longer downcast. She looks you right now, now, and she's no longer emotionally numb. She's happy. She uh, readily speaks and, and talks and expresses herself. And this is something that would have taken um, the medical profession a long, long time and never really would have healed her. God just healed her just like that, just, just like that. And uh, I, I am convinced after watching that that there's nothing that God cannot do. There's no pain. Uh, there's a sound that says there's no pain on earth that heaven can't heal. And there's, I did not really expect him to do that, but I knew he could. And if Jesus touches somebody, it doesn't matter the time frame. All he has to do is touch them and they're, they're healed. And uh, so I'm just really excited about that. That was one example that God showed me. And um, another example, um, I know many of us have, <laughs> many of us have experienced our children uh, getting saved and then, going through the teenage years and, and some of them going away from the Lord. And, and uh, there was a little girl, not a little girl, but she was around nine when she got saved in, um, in Guatemala. Uh, this was several years ago. And her name is Kathy. And I remember her salvation well because I was preaching, uh, preaching at a little church there. And uh, Kelly Watson gave her testimony. And the altar call was given, and, and Kathy came up uh, some of her friends were trying to keep her back, but she came up anyway. And so I knew she was coming up for a reason. But the interpreter said, just pray a general prayer for her. And uh, I thought, that doesn't sound right. Uh, so I, I knelt down beside her. I didn't have a translator. 
So I was praying, and I just felt really impressed to lay my hand on her head and to really press in for salvation. And when I did, she just busted out in tears. Just, it was a beautiful salvation. She accepted the Lord right there. And then God gave her a dream, um, partially about what was going on at the time and partially about her future. And so the Lord has really had her hand on her. And I took a special interest in discipling her for that reason. And uh, every time we went back, we would disciple and, and do Bible studies with her family. We still do. And uh, she was just doing really, 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 really well. And um, she got to be 12, and I, I warned her. I said, you're getting ready to be 13. I said, really stay close to the Lord. I said, just, just, there are going to be changes. And the, the, the dump area where she's from, uh, Zone 3 in the dump area, the teenagers just have a hard time. There's the, that whole connotation of, uh, you know, we're not as good as everybody else. And, and that coupled with the, the, uh, all the stuff that goes on as a teenager, just they really have a tough time. And uh, anyway, she turned 13, and, and the bomb just dropped out of her spiritually. I couldn't believe it. Um, so we, we saw her in December, and we, we tried to work with her and talk to her. And, and she was polite, but there was... You know, the lights were on, but nobody was home spiritually. And she had just uh, really gone the way of the world, it seemed. And uh, we talked to different relatives, and they had nothing, absolutely nothing good to say. And I was, I was just really heartbroken uh, after all the work we had poured into her. And, you know, I, I told Laura, I just felt like crying. And, and he said, I remember him saying, and a sister reminded me this, of this uh, not too long ago, but he said to me specifically that I love her more than you do. And I knew he was telling me that I needed to pray, and he would take care of things. And so um, went back in March, saw her in March. Things were just as bad, if not worse. And uh, in July, I went back, and um, about a week before I went back, I got word that, that there had been a change in her. And she had uh, been in a kind of in an accident. It was a she, – she almost died. And, you know, sometimes God used those to uh, – Reveal the fear of the Lord, but in this case, he revealed the fact that uh, that he loved her very much, and she realized that all the things she had been doing wrong, he still loved her, and uh, that really just brought her back. and And she is stronger today than she ever has been. And uh, I can't keep her in tracks. Not that that's a sign of Christianity, but uh, it's a sign that she's a teenager, still giving out tracks. That means that the peer pressure is not a big deal for her anymore, and it was a big deal for her. And uh, but she's doing really well. And I just want to encourage you that if, you're, if your children or somebody you know has walked away from the Lord, uh, it's nothing for God. He can change that in an instant. And, and my, if, if I do anything tonight, I want to encourage you, uh, as God encouraged me these last two weeks in Guatemala, that there's nothing he can't do. And if we will not give up praying, we will see the things we prayed for come to pass if we pray in faith. Um, Jesus, Jesus is, is there, and all he has to do is touch. And, and, and that's nothing for him. Um, if you're believing for physical manifestation or healing, I, I want to bring forth this other story. Um, <clears throat> about four years ago, we were knocking on doors in the dump area, and I met uh, a woman named Oneida. And she lived in a little, a little uh, shed-type house, dirt floor, uh, had several children. And we, she invited us in, and we uh, gave her the gospel really tried to sow some really good seeds. And, and uh, as we normally do, we have, had a service where we have a meal. The meal is designed to <clears throat> bring people to church that don't normally come to church, and so they can hear the gospel. And we invite her to that church service. Um, 
And uh, I was really hoping she would get saved, but she didn't get saved, but her daughter did. And in the process over the years of working with her daughter, uh, we stayed in contact with the, the woman, Oneida. And I had been praying for her and, and hoping uh, for her and over the years. And um, when I went back in July, she, she sat down and she sat, told me she had gotten saved. And I said, oh, great, what happened? And she said, well, her youngest daughter, youngest daughter's name is Michelle, had somehow ended up in the hospital. I'm not sure if it was illness, uh, accident, I'm not sure what it was, but uh, she had ended up in the hospital. <clears throat> the doctors had put her on uh, life support. Uh, she had machines doing what her body was supposed to be doing. And uh, as far as I remember, she was like that for three months. And finally, the doctors called her in, uh, called her up on the phone, said uh, for her to call a cemetery at, uh, and be here the next morning. They were going to unplug her, and that was going to be the end of that. Uh, they said it's gone on too long, and she's gone. And so... Um, as she was walking out of the, the dump area to go to the hospital, she said a man met her in the way. And she never seen the guy before and still doesn't know who it is. Uh, she said maybe it was an angel. She doesn't know. But the guy knew everything about her situation. And uh, he said to her, he said, uh, looks really bad, doesn't it? Talking about her daughter. And he said, but you know, this is nothing for God. God can take care of that in an instant. He said, the problem is, is your heart. He wants your heart. And he said, when are you going to surrender to the Lord? And uh, I don't know if she got saved right then or on the way or, or how all that worked. But I know when she got to the hospital, the, uh, the doctors took her in. And uh, she said she had total peace. And they unplugged everything from the daughter. And uh, uh, the daughter started to breathe on her own. And then she woke up and she was able to go home. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with this girl. She is... Uh, she is a happy, healthy uh, little girl. She's very uh, intelligent. There's just nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with her. And uh, Oneida is on fire for the Lord right now. And she is just, uh, the Lord has blessed them with a, a bigger house. Uh, it's, really, it's a really nice house for that area. It's concrete floor. It's perfect for ministry. And, and she ministers to the women there, has Bible studies. And she's just on fire for the Lord. And uh, there is nothing that God cannot heal. And I'm not saying if you're believing for a physical manifestation, there's something wrong with your heart. Uh, I'm just saying that God can heal anything. How much difficult is it to jumpstart a body that's been dead for a long time than to fix something that's already there? Uh, there's nothing he can't do. And uh, in, in prayer and in faith, there's nothing he can't do. And um, I have a, one, more, one more example, and then <clears throat> I want to try to go into our, our message this one involves, for those who are believing, for uh, people to be saved, loved ones to be saved. Um, we could not, in March, we could not work with Valerie all the time. So in our spare time, we went to the dump area. And we worked, uh, worked no knocking on doors, talking to people. In the process, we met a girl named Carmen. Carmen was 14, uh, is 14. Um, and Carmen was... Um, it's hard to describe Carmen, but she was very dark. I'm not, I'm not talking about her <coughs> complexion or her skin color. She was, just her spirit was really dark. It was, um, I know when, you, when I talked to her, my spirit was just, that's all my spirit could think of is just darkness. And um, I don't know if you know anything about, um, sometimes uh, teenagers will split their wrists. And I'm not talking about um, um, Suicide, this is a totally different thing. It's a, it's a darkness. It's a, 
this is something the devil does. And she was into that, and it just, uh, it wasn't like, well, she's in rebellion, and we really need to get her with the Lord. Uh, it wasn't like that at all. It was just a darkness. And, and we witnessed to her in March, and I thought, boy, there's, there's no way they're going to reach this lady. And, but, but Jesus can do anything. And uh, so we, I left in March. I came back in July, and I'd forgotten where she lived. Uh, so we were knocking on doors again, and, and as the Lord would have it, we just happened to knock on her door again. And I thought that maybe since he had brought us there twice, that maybe he would do something. And so we, we talked to her, and, and again, she was just so, just dark. I mean, it was, it was like her mind couldn't focus, like her mind wasn't, uh, almost wondered if she would, was slow mentally or something. It was just that bad. And um, the, my the lady who was interpreting for me and helping with Valerie, um, also does a lot of evangelism with uh, Campus Crusade. And she had this, this bracelet with colors. And uh, she tried to work with her uh, using the colors to represent different aspects of salvation. And um, so we worked and worked and worked with her, but uh, nothing really happened. So we, invite, we had another service where we had a meal, invited people, and we invited her to that. And um, she came um, She came with four of the people, and they, they didn't know anybody, so they sat in front of us where we were, and so I kind of was watching out of the corner of my eye, and uh, she was going through some gospel tracks during the service that I'd given her, and just kind of flipping through them and putting them down, flipping through them, throwing them down. I, I was convinced she wasn't ready to get saved, and um, <clears throat> so I, I preached that, that uh, evening, and I'm not, I'm not a very good preacher, if you haven't figured that out already, but uh, when, I came down from the, when I came down from the stage, I thought, boy, that was terrible. I said, if anybody's going to get saved tonight, it's going to be the Lord, because that was terrible. And uh, so I sat down again uh, behind them, and the, the pastor came up and said a few words, and then uh, altar call was given. And uh, <clears throat> about that time, a man from the church, i have seen him before, he walked up to her, straight to her, and, and uh, pointed to the altar and started talking to her in Spanish. And I was, you know how we are. I was thinking, oh, no, 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 don't pressure her. That's absolutely, don't do that. And... Uh, but he, he kept talking to her and talking to her, and, and finally she got up and started <clears throat> walking towards the altar. And I, I turned to Pamela and I said, well, go talk to her and tell her she doesn't have to do anything. There's, there's no pressure here. But she, she couldn't do it in time, and a woman from the church knelt down beside her and put her arm around her and started praying with her. And, um, and you know, God isn't in a box. He doesn't do everything the same way with everybody. And if he wants to... Send somebody in the Holy Spirit to tell somebody to get up and go to the altar. That's what he'll do. And when she, when Carmen, excuse me, when Carmen got up and turned around, she was a different person. I mean, in between all the, the tears and everything, but uh, she was, there was light. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but where there was darkness, now there was light. And her whole countenance was changed. And, uh, excuse me, we, we went and visited her several times after the church service. And, and the whole time, Every time I visited her, it was obvious that uh, the darkness was gone and there was this light there now. And I got a message two days ago saying that she was in church and doing well and, and happy. And, and anyway, if I, were going, if I were going to classify somebody as being the hardest person in the world for God to save, it would have been her. And Jesus just reached down and, and just saved her. And uh, you know, we didn't do anything. It was all him. And so, if you're, again, if you're believing for a loved one to be saved, there's nobody too difficult for God to save, and He will save them. Um, just, I just want to encourage you to keep believing. 
and keep fighting for them. And um, on that note, I also want to say a couple words. The, about that trip, for two weeks, again, I saw God um, just really faithful in so many different areas. Every day, um, I saw him move in people's lives, and it was just, it was a really blessed trip for me, and it turned me around because, uh, like I said, I was getting a little discouraged from all the things I'd seen uh, the devil do, and for two weeks, I didn't see uh, really any, I didn't see the devil come in any. All I saw was God moving in people's lives, and, and he just really blessed me. Um, we, we had a lot of uh, salvations, a lot of baptisms, and <clears throat> that part is, uh, of course, that part is really enjoyable. Um, but God has really moved us into an area of uh, discipleship with the people who have gotten saved, and, and I'm just really blessed uh, with what he has done. I'm really uh, grateful to to you guys for your uh, support of that ministry and what's going on down there. Um, and I'm convinced after these two weeks that uh, really th there's nothing God cannot do, um, physical, emotional, um, whether it's spiritual. All the problems that, that are behind those areas that we face come from the devil. Uh, as you know, Jesus said the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And I want to talk today, talk this afternoon about fighting our enemy, um, the, our common enemy. And most of us are really familiar with Ephesians 6, uh, the weapons of our warfare. We, we all know those, those scriptures, and many of you can quote them from memory. But um, the, the weapon that I want to talk about tonight is, is a little bit different. It's not found in Ephesians 6. Uh, it's actually found in Exodus. And if you'll turn to uh, Exodus 15, 11, we'll try to get started on our message. Exodus 15:11 says, "Who is like unto thee, O Lord, O Lord among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders?" Now again, this this is a very familiar passage to us. Uh, we sing it in a psalm, um, but it's one of my my favorite verses, um, and it's one of my favorite verses because I use it a lot uh, in my own warfare. Um, against my enemy, and, and I have used it also um, to, to fight for others. And I believe we can, as Christians, not only fight for ourselves, but fight for others, uh, those who, who can't fight for themselves or aren't strong enough yet. And so I've used this verse quite a bit, and the, what I want to zero in on is the, the phrase, he is fearful in praises. Um, now, God is not fearful towards us, Right? He's not fearful to those who are praising him. Who is he fearful towards? Our enemy. Right? He is fearful towards our enemy. When we praise him, he becomes fearful towards our enemy. It becomes then uh, my praises mixed with faith then becomes a weapon that I can use against the enemy uh, when I am embattled by him. Um, the, if, you look at the, if you look at this verse in context... Um, the Israelites had just come across the Red Sea, and the, the Egyptians, trying to do the same thing, were drowned. 
And uh, in the very first uh, verse of chapter 15, it says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel. And so this whole chapter is a song that Moses is singing. And in, sandwiched in his song, he says, God is fearful in praises. So the, the context is that this, um, that when I praise God, especially in song, I'm doing warfare with the enemy. My God is fearful towards my enemy. Um, we, we talk a lot about, um, about faith, and we should. And I'm hoping to tie uh, praises in with faith. Um, the, the foundation of my praises for God is, is my faith that uh, He is going to do something about my situation. When I praise God... Even though my situation looks bad, or situation for somebody else looks bad, then I am adding uh, feet to my faith. Uh, I am, I am uh, asserting that, that God is faithful. In the book of James, as you know, he says that um, if you have a desire, ask in faith. But if you do not ask in faith, that, that, let not that man think you will receive anything from God. And he goes on to say that faith uh, without works is dead, being alone. Um, if I were to, and I know we've had this example a lot of times, but if I were to set a small child up on this, on this uh, pedestal and his dad were to stay down there and say, jump, I'll catch you, um, the, the child might believe that his dad is able to catch him. Uh, he might even believe he will catch him. But if he does not jump, his faith is dead, isn't it? It doesn't mean anything. His belief in his father doesn't mean anything. And what happens to the relationship with his father if he doesn't jump? It's still there, isn't it? But it's not as, somehow it's not as close. The, somehow the, the father's a little bit uh, disappointed and the child's a little bit disappointed in himself. But if the child jumps into the, his father's arms, then the relationship somehow gets a little closer. Dad knows that his son really does trust him, and the son knows that his dad's really going to catch him. And um, when it comes to our faith, uh, our faith doesn't really mean anything unless we can... We can add feet to it, or we can add works to it. Uh, the works doesn't save us as we know, but faith without works is dead also. And um, I'm hoping to, to show that part of our adding feet or works to our faith is being able to praise God when situations are, look bad. Um, it takes faith um, to praise the Lord when things are bad. And that, and that way, we are, it is part of our works of faith. Uh, the praising of the Lord when things look bad. Um, if you'll turn with me to Second uh, Chronicles twenty twenty two, this is also a very familiar passage. Second Chronicles 20, and just to set the stage on this, um, most of you know this story, Jehoshaphat had been, spent uh, some time sending out the Levites to, to instruct the people in righteousness and the law and the things of the Lord, and the people were, were, uh, were ready, and then they hit this test. Um, Thomas spoke on this many times. Pastor Thomas spoke on this many times. The um, three armies that are coming in against Judah, 
and Jehoshaphat the king knows that he can't uh, stand up against them. And so the, the foundation of our praise starts to take shape here. What's the first thing that Jehoshaphat does? Um, he seeks the Lord. He gets it, it, the people together, and they go to the temple, and they seek the Lord. Um, and in that, he also prays. Um, the, the prayer of faith uh, is, is our foundation for, for the work of praising God when things look bad. Um, the, the promise comes in verse 15 and 17. A prophet gives a, a uh, promise from the Lord. He said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves uh, and stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord. Um, the, so now the, the people have a promise, something to wrap their faith around. And as we know, we have many promises in the Bible. And that's the foundation of our praise is being able to be in a difficult situation, pray to the Lord, seek His face, find a promise, and then put our faith around it. And that's what uh, Jehoshaphat does with this promise from the Lord. He puts his faith around it. In, um, in verse 21, it says, When he had consulted with the people, he had appointed sinners unto the Lord. Uh, that's in verse uh, 21. And, and it's, um, I know this has been common on a lot, but it's, it's uh, impressive that Jehoshaphat had enough faith not to be concerned about his army, but to appoint sinners uh, to praise the Lord uh, while they went out and met this, this, uh, this enemy of theirs. In 22, we, we get the verse that ties into Exodus 15. And when they had began to sing and, uh, and to praise, the Lord said, ambushment, ambushment sorry, against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. And it goes on to say that they, the, the enemy uh, fought against themselves and killed each other off. Um, so the, the thing that I, that I wanted to see out of this verse is that when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, that's when the Lord was um, uh, fearful in praises on their behalf. Um, the, I think um, that many times we, we have opportunities to see God uh, be fearful on our behalf, um, if we would if we would take the time to to praise Him when things look really bad, the foundation of our praise is that we have sought the Lord, we have prayed in faith, and now setting feet to our faith or setting works to our faith, we praise Him for what not what we see, but what we know He is going to do, what He has promised to do. Um, the I want to look at. Uh, few more examples in Scripture. In Acts uh, 16, there's a very familiar passage also. In Acts 16, we read that Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey. And the, um, they're being followed by a girl who's possessed by a demon. And in the process of time, as you know, Paul uh, casts the demon out. And uh, they are brought before the magistrates. And in verse 22, And the multitude rose together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded them to be beat. 
And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast these into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast, fast in the stocks. Um, as, as Pastor Thomas pointed out many times, they were, they were probably in a not very comfortable. <laughs> they had been beaten, now they're in stocks. And the, the normal course of action for us would be to, to kind of be feeling sorry for ourselves. But it says in verse 25, it says, At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. There is the basis for their, their praise in the Lord was that verse right there, that part right there. They prayed. Um, praying in faith is the basis for us to be able to praise God in Psalm. And then the very next thing it says is, and they sang praises unto God. And it says that the prisoners heard them. Um, now, if the prisoners heard them, I take it from this, this passage that they weren't singing very softly or singing very woefully to themselves. Um, I think they were singing very boisterously because the, it took the time, the word of God took the time to say the prisoners heard them. Um, and in verse 26 it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Um, the progression is that uh, Paul and Silas had a problem. They prayed in faith, and they sang praises to God, and God was fearful in praises. Um, I, I really love that verse in Exodus 15 that God is fearful in praises. Um, the so many times I think there are are unseen battles going on in the spiritual world that we do not see. Uh, remember Daniel. Daniel had prayed to the Lord, and um, the, after a while, an angel came and said, Daniel, your prayer was heard the very time you prayed it, but I was hindered from coming to you. And uh, I, I think sometimes there's things we don't understand about the spiritual world, but verse 15 in Exodus tells me that if I praise God, he is fearful on my behalf towards my enemy. And if that speeds up the, the answer to my prayer, then I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, either way, either way, I can praise God for who he is and for the deliverance of my situation. At the same time, do battle against my enemy. I think it's a really good deal because I do not like the devil and, and the devil doesn't like us either. Uh, so anytime I can... Uh, you know, the, the old thing, two for one. I can praise my God who deserves it and do battle with my enemy at the same time. Um, so I really love, uh, I really love Exodus 15, uh, that Lord is fearful in praises. I remember, <clears throat> as I was preparing for this, I remember this story um, that Pastor Tom used to talk, uh, tell us. Uh, do you remember the story when uh, one of his children, I believe it was Jim, had a really high fever? Um, and he was convulsing. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you all remember that story, but um, I think he had done everything that could be done, and he was relying on the Lord to, to deliver his son. And instead of crying about it, he was fighting for the situation. And how he fought, he was singing. He had the boy in his arms. And he was singing. And in um, the last two Psalms, in the book of Psalms, it says, Praise me in the dance. It tells us, praise me in the dance. And I remember Brother Tom saying he was dancing also. And uh, as, as we know, that child was delivered. But uh, Pastor Tom wasn't sitting down crying and, and waiting uh, for God to do something. He was battling right along with the Lord. 
he was uh, allowing God to be fearful in praises. And I think for all of us, uh, uh, we, need to, we need to learn to fight for each other, uh, fight for each other and fight for those who are having problems. I know that many times in the last several months, um, these, these situations in Guatemala really, really affected me and it was really weighing on me. And I can remember many times standing out here uh, praising the Lord until, until I was full. And I, I knew that the Lord had filled me up. And then I would switch to praising the Lord on behalf of, of those that I was concerned about in Guatemala and, and reminding the Lord, you know, that, that uh, maybe not in so many words, but reminding Him He is fearful in praises. And I'm praising you on their behalf. And I'm believing you're going to do something uh, for them while I praise you. And I just think that's one way we can fight for each other. Um, in addition to the warfare we have in, in um, Ephesians 6, that we, we, have an awesome, uh, we have an awesome privilege. Uh, the Bible speaks all the time about praising the Lord. And many times it speaks about praising the Lord in song. And we have an awesome responsibility and a privilege to praise our God. And what an even better payoff if we can remember in faith, Exodus 15, remember that God is doing something in our praises, that God is fearful in our praises towards our enemy. And that, that for me, that uh, builds my faith. And when my faith is built, what does God do? God always responds to faith. If I, the more faith I have in, in my prayer to Him, the more I can expect to see Him move on my behalf. And if I can praise the Lord, believing believing in Exodus 15 that he is being fearful on my behalf, that my faith is built, and I believe I will see him move on my behalf. Uh, praise the Lord has many, many benefits, uh, especially um, for us as believers. When we're going through a hard time, we're believing for something. Uh, we know that God, is, is, God deserves to be praised anyway. Habakkuk, uh, you know that, that verse, though there be no, uh, no fruit on the vine and, and all those different things. He said, yet I will praise the Lord. And the Lord is worthy to be praised no matter what. Um, but we, we have an opportunity uh, to fight our enemy when we praise the Lord no matter what our situation. When things look bad, that's a perfect opportunity for us to praise the Lord. I, I think I might have given this example. I'm not really sure, but I'll, I'll give it again uh, if I did. And um, um, John had... Uh, Many years ago, it got me started going into prison, and I'm, I'm grateful for him for that. Um, and I go into the same place he does, in the hole. Um, every now and then on Sundays, I'll go in after church. Um, try to go a couple times a month, but uh, more or less, sometimes more, sometimes not. But um, I remember one time I was going in, <clears throat> was, I was driving, and I hadn't really done well a day or two before, and um, I was... You know, I, I talked to the Lord about it and everything was fine, but I was still kind of feeling sorry for myself. And, you know, the devil was really kind of beating me up about different things. And, and I just didn't, I didn't feel, you know, Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And I just didn't feel like I had that. I, I said to myself, I'm not going in. I'm just not going in today. Uh, I got nothing to give anyway. I'm not going in. And uh, I remember there was uh, some praise music on the radio. Uh, I think we had a CD in or something. And I remember specifically, Lord gave me two words. He said, praise me. And uh, I knew it was him, and I, I wanted to be obedient. So I kind of half-heartedly 
was praising. I didn't really want to praise. Uh, I just didn't feel good. Not, not that I was physically wrong, but I just didn't feel like praising him. And uh, so I was singing half-heartedly, some, some song on, on there. And uh, I remember he said specifically again, he said, that is not praising me. And then he said again, praise me. And I remember being convicted, and I remember uh, taking a deep breath and really trying this, this time to praise him. And it was difficult at first, and as I kept praising him, it became very easy. And then I, I really felt that river of life flowing, river welling up within me. And it wasn't very long, and, and I, was, I was ready to go into prison. I had something to give. But it was in the praising of the Lord in Psalm that he was fearful on my behalf, and he drove back the enemy who was trying to keep me from doing what I think God wanted me to do to begin with. Um, so, <clears throat> again, I, I want to encourage us as a church, as a body of believers, to um, take seriously the, the scriptures that talk to us about praising the Lord, praising the Lord in song, praising the Lord when things look bad. When we have prayed and we've done all that we can do, Ephesians says, after you've done all you can do, stand. When you're in that situation, you're standing. Take another step and praise the Lord for what He is going to do in your life, what He's going to do about your situation. And I believe you will find that, that God is fearful in praises. He is fearful on your behalf, and He will drive back the enemy. I have, uh, again, I spent two weeks in Guatemala just awed at what God did. I, I didn't do anything. God did everything, and... and <coughs> He was showing me that he was not only faithful, but he was in total control. And that if we don't give up, and if we continue to praise him, no matter what we see with our earthly eyes, that he will be faithful, and he will do everything he has promised. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. He still raises the dead. He still heals. And as I have seen here lately, he can take a broken heart, a heart that's been abused, and totally heal it in, in nothing, and quickly. There's nothing he cannot do. All we need is for Jesus to touch us. All we need is for Jesus to touch a loved one. And, and that, the, the situation is gone. Um, so I just want to encourage you to use praises, not half-hearted praises, which is, I was doing one time, but praising from your heart, praising the way he deserves, um, and see if God will not be fearful on your behalf.